Well, Melissa, it's season <laughs> three. <laughs> That's pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Just kidding. Parenthood pals. We are the Parenthood pals. <laughs> I love that you do that. It makes me really happy. <laughs> but it is a new season. It in fact is. Season yes. three. I'll just get the fish stuff out of the way. <laughs> it's Parenthood okay. Season 3, Episode 1, I Don't Want to Do This Without You. Written by Jason Kadams, directed by Lawrence Trilling. It originally aired September 13th, 2011. Here's the NBC synopsis. Sarah celebrates a milestone birthday and leans on Mr. Sear for emotional support, while Amber makes an independent move from her family. Unemployed, Adam feels the stress of providing for his pregnant wife and family, and he ponders a new business venture with Crosby. Julia becomes frustrated with the adoption process and dreams up a bizarre scenario. Meanwhile, Hattie's boyfriend, Alex, reveals hidden information to Julia. So what are your first impressions of season three? I felt very torn, I guess. I hate the Alex storyline a lot. And Hattie feels almost unrecognizable to me, like as just like in her soul. But I really loved all the Sarah Amber stuff and Crosby and... Adam, I'm very excited about all of that. You went to a deeper place than I did at first. I was like, it's cool seeing Adam at home and Christina working. And I liked Hattie's new hairstyle. And I noticed that <laughs> Max's voice had changed. Oh, yeah. And I liked seeing Crosby and Jasmine broken up, but in a good place. I loved that. I was just like, so many surprises. <laughs> there are. Well, and that is, again, one of my favorite things about season premieres. It's very cool to just notice that time has gone by and people look different and, you know, just little hints as to where everyone is. Like, for example, the very first opening shot was on Christina's pregnant belly. And I thought that was a very smart decision because it was like, oh, right away, we see months have gone by. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a smart cue. So. I enjoyed the time jump, even though this time I didn't wait a whole season, like an actual literal season of nature right. to watch <laughs> the next season of television. I did it like after two days of having watched the season two finale. It still felt like they had been away for a while and I yeah. was happy to see them again, like I had missed them. <laughs> but Aww. I just saw them two days ago. <laughs> but it worked. Well, you know, you mentioned real quick that um, Max's voice had changed and it's so smart of them to have a time jump. That's the problem when shows don't and they pick up like seconds later, but three months have gone by in real yeah. life. It doesn't work. You know, like they try to give people the exact same hairstyles or like just have you not noticed that this scene that happens five minutes later, <laughs> like remember season seven of Friends and like Chandler, like Matthew Perry had been quite heavy and then he was quite thin and it's supposed to be the same day. Yeah. And he's wearing the same outfit. 
But his face is different. Yes. Or like on Fuller House, the final season, um, the the kid's voice has changed. I don't even remember his name now. Um, but DJ's Max. young Max. Yeah. But it's like literally the same day. And you're like, oh no. <laughs> That's it was so, a big day yeah. for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's start with some of the positives. Tara's turning 40. <laughs> Yay. Lauren Graham was actually 44 at the time she was shooting this. But you know what? She's so beautiful and young looking. It totally makes sense that she, she could play. She really is. Younger. I, I thought she looked better in the season premiere than she did at the end of the last season. I feel like maybe it was just a makeup or something. I mean, she looked good both times, but all throughout the episode, I was like, gosh, you look great. She did look really beautiful in this episode. Yeah. Maybe everyone's rested. Yeah, <laughs> like, just the months off. Yeah. No more playwriting. <laughs> <laughs> She's done with that. Oh, I did want to mention, even though I wish this had happened a week earlier when it was more relevant, um, I happened to watch American Graffiti for the very first time over the weekend, and I was taken aback by how charming and handsome Richard Dreyfuss is in that movie. Oh. Really taken aback. And I'm like, all right, you know what? I got I to gotta give it to Richard Dreyfuss. Last, last week, I was not so great about him. Oh, prom! And this week, I'm like, boy, 1973 Richard Dreyfuss was a real charmer. This was the most perfect, dazzling creature I've ever seen. So there you go. A belated tip of the hat belated, to you, yes. Mr. Blount. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Another thing I looked up. Because Amber is looking for an apartment and she says that her new one is on Franklin, a couple of blocks from Evans. I did find a Franklin Street in Berkeley, but I couldn't find an Evans. Mm. There's an Evans Hall on the Cal campus and it's not like all that far from Franklin Street. It doesn't look like, but it's more than a couple of blocks. And from what I can gather, it is not the crack part of town. <laughs> like Zeke says, it looks to be a really nice neighborhood. So they were just uh, writing fiction, as is their actual job. <laughs> Did you like how Zeke followed up the crack comment with it goes with your haircut? Oh, I didn't even notice. Ooh, yeah, it was super mean. But she laughed at that. And also, I love her haircut, and I love her new car, and I love her apartment. I just I loved her car. <laughs> yeah. And I, I liked the hair. Yeah. She pulls it off. Like, if I got that haircut, I think it would look silly. But I'm like, Mae Whitman's so cool. I feel like this whole episode was meant to showcase how cool she is. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. But I'm like, look at her in this car and look at her with this loft apartment. She's the best. I'm glad she likes the apartment. I'm probably a little closer to Sarah. Oh, honey. Don't worry. We'll find something. I love it. <laughs> what? It's perfect. I mean, look at how cool this is. No, Amber. I mean, I know it's not perfect now, but, but but seriously, just think about the potential. I mean, there's no potential. It'll be amazing with some paint and stuff. Honey, paint couldn't get the four inches of snow. With a skylight. Honey, this is like a scene from Shutter Island. This is Come not on, a place that's to live. Very funny. Don't sit on that. Don't sit on that. <laughs> Ew. Ew. There's like a cloud that came Excuse up. Oh, me. Calm God. down. Let's not oh. cry about it. It's. I love oh, it Amber. So much. You know what, honey? It's a young artist loft. Just you know? one one point. There's there's no kitchen. This this is a kitchen. What, what Wait a minute. Do I need? I'm sorry. This is a kitchen or well, that's a kitchen. You know that's cold no and that's sink. hot, so it's got everything I need. Somebody's stuck. I mean, look, just here. just just try to imagine it. It's amazing and it's everything that that I want. I really, 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 really love it. Yes. Can you just try not to be negative about it for one second? Because I really, really love it. I don't know if I've ever loved the two of them more. Like this episode, they were all over the place, just like a complete range of comedy and dramatic moments. And they pulled off both so beautifully. And it was just a damn delight 
Yeah, I loved them both too. I totally understood Amber's desire to move out. Like it, it didn't strike me as like, but Amber, you got everything you need right here and you don't have to spend money on your own place. I was like, I get it. Especially if you didn't have college yeah. or like something new that felt like a real new chapter in your life. You'd want to feel like I'm entering some new phase. And so for her, she's not going to college. That's not part of the new phase. So I think it makes sense to move out. I'm like, that's what you want. She's 18. I get it. I'm just so practical. And I didn't move out until I was 21. And and I just kept thinking, does she have a job? Like there was no mention of that. And the last time I feel like we saw her work was season one. At the country club? Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> has she had a job since then? I mean, I guess we did see her work with um, Julia, but that imploded. She surely doesn't do that anymore. And I wasn't sure that was a paid thing. That felt like an internship. So I think the realistic part of me just kept thinking, I get the appeal, and I certainly get the appeal of living in this very cool-looking place. But yeah, I guess practically speaking, I was right there with Sarah. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah. and and I mean, she does live in such a beautiful home with her grandparents, and they all get along so well. So yeah, I guess I guess I was kind of torn. I, I definitely understand wanting to strike out on your own, but I'm like, how are you going to pay for this place by yourself? Not even a roommate. Yeah. Did you ever live in a horrible apartment? What was the worst place you ever lived? That's such a good question. You know, interestingly, I think probably the grossest place I ever lived was one of the places I lived the longest. I lived the only time I ever lived by myself uh, was for five years before Mark and I ever bought our first house. And it was, you, you've been there. It was um, on Locust Street and they later like tore it down to beautify the town. <laughs> it had a really gross smell. We're in trying the, to make the city more beautiful. Get rid of that. Get house. rid of that. Yeah. Oh, and I, I, I did live there when I was a teacher, like just starting out. And my principal once drove by. And later that day he was like, I thought I saw you this morning, but then I thought, you don't live there. And I'm like, <laughs> I do. <laughs> but I, I kind of loved it. Um, I was ready to go after five years there. I was like, let's buy a damn house and let's get a nice one. <laughs> there were cockroaches and, and a, a gross smell in the hallway that luckily didn't waft into the house um, or the apartment. It had everything I needed. It was very small, but I loved it. And Mark lived downstairs, you know? So I lived in the upstairs apartment and Mark lived downstairs. And people were like, that seems so dumb. Why don't you live together and save money? And I'm like, our rent is like, we each pay 300 bucks like on our apartment. It was so cheap to live there and utilities were paid, but it was um, completely, you know, gross. (laughs) So what about you? I never lived in a dump, but... I've had various things be, you know, less ideal than I would have liked. My very first apartment in New York was uh, up in Inwood, and I loved the apartment. It was gigantic, but it had a leak in the ceiling in the living room, like chronic. It would always happen over and over. It would fill up my light fixture. Ew. So, like, the light bulb inside would be submerged in water, and I thought, that's got to be a safety hazard, right? Yeah. Especially when I started to realize I th- I think the water was wastewater. Ew. So I'm like, well, okay, well, that's a health hazard. Yeah. So we've got <laughs> electrical, health, and I would tell the super about it over and over, and all he would do is paint over where it was leaking through. I was like, no, but clearly there's something above the ceiling that's leaking. So you can paint the ceiling however many times you want, 
But if you don't address the pipe that's leaking, the ceiling is going to keep getting leaked on and it's going to keep opening up and spilling water into the light fixture and onto the floor. It also started leaking in the kitchen eventually, but that one worked really fast. The ceiling in there actually fell through. And then they fixed that pipe. And I, I was trying to say, you know, the same issue that you just solved in there has been happening the whole year in the living room. Wouldn't do anything. So you had to leave? Yeah. And that apartment was on Seaman Avenue between <laughs> Dykeman and Cummings Street. No. Are you kidding? I am not. <laughs> and you know, you're just never going to find cross streets like that ever again. I was so sad to leave for the address alone. <laughs> and the building had this little courtyard. It was, it was really sweet. Oh. And also, when I first started living there, I had no air conditioner. I had no cable or internet. I had no bed. I had no furniture. Wow. So that was the closest I ever got to being like a starving artist, even though I was uh, in my last year of college. Mm. And then I lived in one room with two roommates and a fifth floor walk up. And my room was so small, you could only fit a twin bed. But that's just small. It wasn't terrible. Yeah. You know, in a lot of ways, though, it's such an exciting time of life. Like it was fun to watch Amber be so excited about the future especially after last season when she had nothing to really look forward to. Yeah. And, she, you know, it was nice to see her just feel happy and, and looking forward to things and not so down about college. And, you know, it, the whole episode had, had this vibe of it'll work itself out. It'll be fine. I really liked everything that Mark said to her about Amber. I thought that is so supportive and I don't think he's just bullshitting her. The d- diploma just became important to me because it didn't seem important to her. And I wanted something better for her. My college. Well, I don't want to pressure her. I just thought she'd be in a different place. Well, I see a lot of kids come through here and they graduate and they go right to college. And they're not even close to being ready for it. Yeah. And Amber will go to college. I think. Yeah. And when she goes, she'll be ready to go. And she's going to do great things. And I know it's hard to think of it like this now, but I think that this uh, waiting for her is a blessing in disguise. Do you? (laughs) Yes. Sometimes you just have to believe. You know? Wow. Uh, sorry. No, 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 no. I was no. just wasn't expecting it. That's why, why I would said, you? It was so weird. It wasn't weird. No, it wasn't weird at all. You I, know what? I'm sorry. I it just came out of nowhere, and it's. Uh, I'm turning forty this week. Oh, happy. Uh, no, that's okay. But I think maybe I'm having some more issues than I thought. I'm having uh, some troubles. I. I didn't think I had any problem with it, but I think I'm. I'm just acting out. You know how people do. No. Let's pretend it never happened. Can we do that? Can we just like never speak of this again? I. Was, I shouldn't have said whoa. Whoa! <laughs> I love them. I love him. That's like a perfect snapshot of why, too. Like, he is so nice, but like that genuine kindness. Like, he's not a pushover. He's not wimpy. You know, like a lot mm-hmm. of the quality, he's not manipulative. Like, a lot of characters that 
used to be described as nice actually have like really horrible character traits. Like when I go back to all the shows I loved watching when I was in high school and college, I always thought there was something wrong with me because I always liked this so-called bad boy and not the so-called nice guy. And then I realized, no, I was right. Like I'm right to be team Pacey (laughs) and not team Dawson because Dawson's kind of a manipulative jerk and Pacey's just like, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Um, he's just unconventional, I suppose, and doesn't, you know, whatever this, you can cut all that. Um, <laughs> but my point is <laughs> that Mark is just, he knows himself. He's confident. He's so kind about Amber, which I think is exactly something she needs, you know, someone to just be supportive. And I don't think he's kidding about about her just saying that because she wants to hear it. I think he knows kids really well. And that's, just such a lovely thing he said, and and it helped put everything in perspective. Yeah, I was happy that someone on the show finally voiced those thoughts about Amber and her path. Yeah. Because I feel like the show hadn't given voice to that. And you're right. I, I hadn't even thought about it, but it is nice to see her in this episode. She seems totally fine now with it. Yeah. Like, it seems like she has arrived at a place where she's excited about her new path. And I thought that was cool. Also in that scene with Mark and Sarah, they're just like gazing at each other. I know. And there's soft sunlight behind them, just like dappling them. (laughs) The whole thing was so dreamy. And also I never noticed stuff like this, but I loved the shoes that Lauren Graham was wearing in that scene. I did not notice. (laughs) They were real cute. Oh. I also looked up this as just part of my general season three research I looked up an interview in advance of season three that Lauren Graham did on the Today Show, and I liked what she had to say about Jason Ritter returning to the series. But Sarah, after kind of having, let's face it, a little bit of a dark cloud over yeah. these last two years, I mean, she we heard it from her. It's going to be the year of Sarah. Well, she keeps trying. I mean, what I like about what what was compelling to me about this character when I first read it was, um, as opposed to Laura like Gilmore in a way, like... Um, someone who is not a hero, who is not making the right choices all the time, and who um, isn't where she wants to be in life. I thought that was all really interesting. But now I'm ready for her to yeah, like, have a little Can something good success. happen to Sarah? I know. Um, and it does this year. She's in a relationship um, thanks to the fact that the event was canceled. We got Jason Ritter back. And um, Well, and- I, let's talk about that because Jason Ritter was on the event. Yeah. You love him and you're so excited that he's yeah. going to play your love interest that, I mean, I know you're joking, but you said you were kind of campaigning for the event to get canceled no, so you could get so Jason bad. onto the set. Tell us. I am Hi. responsible for it ending. I was like, who cares about the end of the world? I need a boyfriend. Um, <laughs> God, that's so cute. But I was hoping the event would get canceled for the exact same reason and it's so funny i didn't even remember that he was on another show during season two and i certainly didn't remember that it was a series called the event and that scott patterson was on it oh my gosh you see you already knew the fun fact <laughs> oh, sorry. I, was, I discovered no that's fine but yeah it was a sci-fi hour-long show on nbc that only lasted for one season 2010 to 2011 and Jason Ritter was the lead, and his girlfriend's father was played by Scott Patterson, That's so crazy. who was Luke on Gilmore Girls, I know. who was Lauren Graham's love interest for that whole series. Yeah. That's crazy town. I was so excited. I do remember this. Like, like either, either knowing that Jason Ritter was going to be on season three, or just having a feeling when he was in this episode, like, this feels long-term. I did find old articles in the summer of 2011 
announcing that he was going to come back to yeah. the Yeah. So you may have seen that at the time. I may you have. You wouldn't have been ignorant to it, I bet. I bet, because I, I would have been very excited about that. <laughs> and it makes perfect sense storyline-wise, because in season one, this is, this is when she said we could date after Amber graduates. And so yeah. it just kind of worked out. Well, continuing our love of Sarah and Amber in this episode. Ugh. Here's their scene when Amber tries to leave the party early. So well, she good. doesn't try. She does. Yeah. She leaves. She's successful. <laughs> Listen, can't you just stay through the cake? We don't even have the cake. Mom, I know, but I gotta go. Why? I made plans. I, I, I have to. I stayed as long as I could. Why did you make plans? I'm just curious. It's, I'm you know, sorry, I didn't know this 40th. was gonna go all night. I, well, of course it's gonna go all night. I mean, we're having dance party. Is I it know. dance party? Is that what put Dance you party didn't help, but, you know, but I have to go. I gotta Why do go you get, have to go? Because I have people? to go get the key. Doing? You're going to get the key right now. Why can't you just get it tomorrow? Because I said I would tonight, and I'm excited. It's it's my apartment. Well, it's my birthday. It's my 40th birthday, and 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 I'm excited. Why isn't that a a bigger deal? I didn't know you were gonna freak out at me. Freaking out. It's just really inconsiderate. It's just really not nice. It's not like there's a thousand people in there, and my daughter's the first one to leave. It just feels terrible. Uh, Sorry. Jeez. (laughs) I'm gonna miss you. And I feel so dumb because, you know, I want you to move on. That's what you're supposed to do. But I'm really going to miss you a lot. I love you. I love you, too. I have to go. Don't, like, feel sorry for me. I'm fine. Okay. I'm just 40, you know? Just try to keep it together. I know it's It's hard. The best years of my life are in front of me. Very good outfit tonight. (laughs) That's uh, perfect. Yeah, I just love that. And I also loved, in terms of their argument, I'm doing air quotes around argument, I actually kind of thought that Sarah had a point. Yeah. Like, this was well known that she was going to have a party, and maybe she didn't know it would go all night, sure. But what I really loved about this scene was that really as soon as the argument came to a head, Sarah just copped to what she was actually yeah. feeling, and then it wasn't really a big deal. Yeah. And that was so sweet. And you like even after she says it, All they really say is, I love you. And then they're just back to like fun banter again. Like, well, that's nice. And of course you would, I I would imagine that would be exactly what parents at that point in their kids' lives would feel. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm so happy for you to go. That's what you're meant to do. But I'll miss you. Yeah. Well, and to be honest, it's hard for me to be objective about their argument because I really hate guilt trips and <laughs> I love my mom, but I, I experienced them a lot. <laughs> and so there was something in me that sort of tensed up, even though objectively, I do think Sarah was probably right. I do think it's your mother's, you know, major birthday. Well, like when she asked, why did you make plans? Yeah, I think I'm she's right. To, it's like, yeah. yeah, it's my birthday. Yeah, get, get like, the apartment okay. tomorrow. No, I'm, I'm with you. I also felt so bad for Drew at that party when everyone's dancing and yeah, Max was standing over there too. And Amber, but it's like, it was Drew that I thought, how were you supposed to have fun at this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and when and he, then, and then, yeah. And then you take Amber out of it. Oh, like, Dear Lord, he's doomed. When he tells her that, like, I'm going to miss you so much. And you can see like the little subtitles and she's like, well, you can come over all the time. It'll just be like our place. It was so cute. And she was knitting. Did you notice that? She was knitting at the table at the party. Oh, I didn't <laughs> see. You got the knitting I eye. just, I, yeah, I don't know why. I just find it so charming. I notice it. And, you know, it didn't occur to me to relate to it in this way until just now. But, you know, I'm the youngest of three, two older sisters. 
And they had both moved out by the time I started high school. So I did all of high school, the only kid at home. And even though I was very close to both my sisters, it actually was great. It, It wasn't miserable. I mean, like whenever they were around visiting, it was great to see them. But it just changed the dynamic in the house. And it was fun and new. And also because I was the youngest, it was sort of like I could just kind of come and go as I pleased. Mm. And I I get along well with my parents too. So we had fun and that's nice. I don't know. So maybe Drew won't be lost. Maybe he'll without Amber, without her shadow over him. Yeah. Maybe he'll fly. (laughs) (laughs) That would be nice. It's true. I mean, I remember the first time I watched the show, I wasn't that interested in Drew for a long time. I'm not sure what happened. Me neither. Yeah. And now, I don't know what it is, but for some reason, I find myself paying more attention to him. And, you know, it's maybe the way I try to pay attention to, like, quieter students, ones who aren't necessarily so funny and outspoken and grab your attention right away. And I'm like, you know, there's there's value in this quiet boy over here. We got, <laughs> we got to know his story too. He's just never going to be what you notice first when, yeah, Amber's around. Yeah. So. God, when Mark showed up at the end of this episode, yeah, I just had this feeling of these two are meant to be together. Yeah. He loves her so much yes. and she loves him so much. Amber's not his student anymore. They can just be together and she'll have something happy in her life that's just hers. I suspect since it's TV that it's going to be more complicated (laughs) than that. But that was my like sincere wish watching it. But here was something perplexing about this episode. There was a deleted scene on the DVD. What? And it was that same moment. It was pretty much the exact same scene. Sarah sitting on her stoop, bottle of wine, leftover cake. But Amber was the one who showed up. Oh. She came back and Sarah was ecstatic to see her. You came back. Yes, I came back. And Amber sat down with her and ate the cake with her and the camera zoomed out. Now, I don't mind that. Yeah. But I thought, why were both of these shot? Yeah. Like it was the whole, they, they couldn't possibly have both been in the episode. Right. How could they have not decided which one they liked better to the point they're like, well, we'll just shoot both. I mean, and that last camera shot, I think is like a crane shot. Yeah. Because it's zooming out from above. I thought you brought a whole crane in and then you made <laughs> Mae Whitman do the scene once and then you made Jason Ritter do it another time. Wow. And you had presumably two half-eaten cakes <laughs> ready to go. Like, I, I just, to me, even though I liked seeing Amber there, Mark showing up is much more satisfying and much more indicative of like, there's a continuing story to go on. And he had the diploma. Yeah, I love like, that. Was there just no follow up on the diploma in this alternate <laughs> universe? Yeah. Well, and you know, it's funny because you and I last season said how much more interesting Sarah was when it wasn't all about a guy and her dating life. And it was more interesting when it was about her kids. And I do stand by that, even <laughs> though I'm about to contradict that. I think I don't necessarily care about like, well, certainly Gordon or or just, you know, <laughs> you know, people who are Jack Kraft. Yeah. Yeah. People who aren't worthy of her. But that's not the same. I mean, I want her to have love and I want her to have her own life. And so can both be true. Like, I don't care about her dating sort of like insufferable pricks, <laughs> but I <laughs> but I do, you know, like I don't care about those damn storylines, but I do want her to like 
find someone and and have her own way and not necessarily have to just live through her kids. You know, the idea of her sitting by herself and then she's ecstatic that Amber comes home, in a way that feels like that's all she's got. Mark coming over instead is real hopeful that even though yeah. Amber's moving on, she's also moving on. Maybe it will be the year of Sarah. Right. <laughs> Which I love. I agree with everything. Yeah. Co-sign. <laughs> Good. Oh, and I've got to I've got to mention that I'm turning forty this year um, in a couple months, but still. Ooh. So I know it was really interesting because you know in real life I am thirty nine, and as we just said, um, okay, wait, that would make Lauren Graham like fifty four now, fifty five. Yeah. So I'm like quite a bit younger than she is, but it was interesting to be watching this show after it aired and just to, to realize I'm the same age as this character who used to seem so much older than me. I don't know. That's an interesting thing to, to feel. And I'm strangely optimistic about turning 40 as well. I thought I'd be really like weird about it, but I don't feel weird. I feel... It's going to be the year of Melissa. It's going to be the year of Melissa. <laughs> I'll send you a cane in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be like, thanks, Zeke. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> In other areas, I feel like this unemployment, well, I should say, at first, mm-hmm. I felt like this unemployment was really good for Adam. Yeah. I was like, he needs to unwind desperately. <laughs> and I I loved seeing him. He looked, I mean, I guess I credit this to Peter Krause, or maybe it's just if he doesn't shave, he looks relaxed. But he, it seemed like just not a care in the world. And while he was cooking eggs and watching Joni Loves Chachi. And I think it was Charles in charge. It was Scott Charles Mayo. in charge. Yeah, That's yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was so impressed with his juggling. That was too. I was like, what is this? That's a real like skill. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I want to mention that the song during that whole montage yeah. is Coconut by Harry <laughs> Nilsson, which came out in 1971. I remember, I don't think I'd ever heard it before this episode. And I remember looking it up even at the time. And my favorite fact about the song is there is only one chord for the entire song. It <laughs> never changes. It's all just C7. <laughs> See, I would never, I would never know that. But I it did feel like the perfect song for that like montage. And it was yeah. super interesting to see him this way. And it also his shadow caused the Monica Potterism of it's just a little scratchity scratchity. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> so I love seeing her like working, super pregnant. Me too. Like, yes, you can do that. And she did seem she's so insufferable sometimes. Yeah. I mean, you know, Christina had a lot of bad moments last year, and maybe she just needs a purpose in life beyond her family. She's always going to be a good mom. I don't think it's in her. Yeah. Not to care about her children maybe she just needs to expand what she does and then she doesn't get so hyper focused and catastrophize everything because it's like you know what i don't have time to do that because i have a job yes i found her infinitely more likable in this episode than maybe since season one honestly I also thought it was so interesting that you and I last season had talked about how we were afraid this wouldn't be a very interesting storyline because now she won't be able to work for much, much longer. And then I thought it was cool, yeah, that, oh, she is working. Although, I don't know, I go back and forth. I think, of course, a person can be a parent and have a job. I mean, no one bats an eye when a man does it. And of course, you know, Julia does it and the show shows us this. I do wonder sometimes, though, at the idea of like, 
having it all, you know, and which is usually I feel like a phrase attributed more to women than to men. But correct me if I'm wrong. Do you, do you feel like I don't know that I've ever heard it used about a man? Yeah. I wonder why. That's interesting. I feel like there's something to unpack there, but maybe it's because the implication is that women, even if they have jobs, are usually still doing more of the like housework or, or yeah. active parenting, which I don't even think is always true. That's why I love the Julia Joel dynamic so much and everything, because he's obviously doing way more work at home, as you should, you know, if, if somebody is working outside. Anyway, but um, I, I loved it. But I did wonder, I'm like, now she gets a job? Like, you know, I was like, now that she's like pregnant and probably exhausted, I thought it was so interesting. I'm like, why did she turn down that job in season one? That made a lot more sense, you know, but I guess it's probably because Adam was employed and now he wasn't. And so someone had to make something. Well, and, you know, I said when I started talking about this storyline, I thought this unemployment's good for him because he's so he needs to unwind like, Oh, only at the beginning though, because he's still wound pretty tight as evidenced here. Well, I have some sort of good news. What's that? They've asked me to stay on and they've offered me a full-time position. What did you tell them? They took me to lunch. They said, Christina, you're doing such a great job. I told them yes. I felt like I had to say yes in the moment. Well, you didn't need to say yes in the moment. You could have said, I need to discuss this with my family. I'm telling you right now I'm discussing. why are you being so discouraging? We need the money, Adam. We don't have... I know we need the money, Christina. It's a lot less money than we need. I'm sure it's like, I don't know, 25% it's of It's 25% more than what we're making right now, okay? Our savings is almost gone. Our cushion's nil. I'm not... I'm just saying well, I want to help... What, it's my fault? It's Christina, not... I, I'm the one who's supposed to be taking care of us. I, I'm the one who's supposed to be providing for the family. And you are. You do. I just want to help. Do you have any idea help. what that feels like for me not to be able to do that right now? Do you have any idea what that feels like? I do. I get it. I just want to help. That's all I want to do. His temper, he needs to get help. I agree. I will grant him that, like, yeah, she probably should have run it by him first. Although it seems like it's a job she's already been doing. Yeah. And it's just going to be moving from a temporary capacity to permanent. Yeah. So that, to me, feels significant. It's not like, hey, I went and got this job that we've never talked about how our lives would look. It's like, no, our lives will look how they've been looking for however long she's had this job. And I don't know. And he was just so, he was so dismissive about how much she made. Yes, And then viewing it as an attack on him when I don't think at all that's what she was, what she was doing is actively trying to help them through a tough time. Anything is helpful I didn't think she was disrespecting him or stepping on his toes. No. And like, Adam, why are you yelling at the sole breadwinner <laughs> of your, for your family? And also the person in the whole world who's most invested in your success yeah. and happiness. Christina doesn't want to, she wants Adam to succeed. She wants Adam to be happy. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously he's just, there's some fragile man shit going on <laughs> and he's just taking it out on her, which actually I, I did write down. I'm like, this feels like such a real marriage fight. Yes. I've never been married, but of like, how are we going to do this? And one person has one idea and the other one dismisses it or disagrees with it. It's like, you guys are on the same team. Yeah. <laughs> you can't talk to her like that. I had so many thoughts about that and, and you just said it so beautifully, but on the one hand, I thought it felt sexist the way he dismissed how much she made 
But then I was like, maybe it's less about that and it's more of like a Braverman thing because I remember Julia doing the same thing to Joel last season when they were arguing, you know, and he's like, if it's about who makes more, you're always going to win, you know? And, and I thought, well, okay, so maybe it's less about man, woman, but, but I don't know the way that Adam really, really maybe. feels. Maybe, although Adam's earning zero right yeah. now. Yeah. And he feels, I mean, the way he's like, I'm supposed to be the one doing this. I'm like, well, says who? That's very traditional way of looking at things. And yeah. He made eggs that morning. That's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's maintaining the house, I'm assuming. Yeah. While Christine is away. What's wrong with that? They're a team. They have reallocated each one's duties, but all the duties are still being met. Yeah. I think that's a great, healthy sign. Like, I think so. Hey, you guys are good together. If he needs to work, it works. If she needs to work, it works. Although it did make me wonder. I'm like, we've never had a montage with like Christina sitting around watching, you know, 80s sitcoms and <laughs> juggling. Yeah. I'm like, something tells me she's busier. Yeah. I'm like, what did she do? Adam should be doing that. Whatever it is, you know, like, like, are are you doing as good of a job? She also looked, you know, stunning constantly. I'm not saying you have right. to, but I did think it was interesting that Adam sort of falls apart when he's at home. He's like, <laughs> yeah. just like wearing a robe and not shaving. One and- of the deleted scenes was just him shaving. <laughs> and like saying into the mirror, hi, I'm Adam Baverman. I sell beverages. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, so... I did write down, like, oh, my God, are we just trading shoes for beverages? Because I couldn't remember exactly how it all shook out. I do remember, like, last season, you and I were talking about, like, the boring version of the show where Christina just writes emails and, like, (laughs) you know, and I'm like, on that boring version, Adam gets this job. Like, I'm like, that just sounded horrific. And I'm like, what's interesting is, if this were real life, if someone were asking me, you know, should I have the the job that's stable and, and, you know, or should I go into business with my very unreliable brother who, you know, slept with your sons? Anyway, I, you know, I, I'm just like, no, you should take the beverage job. But as a viewer, I'm like, Adam, do not take the beverage job. (laughs) I don't give a shit. I don't want to watch that. The shoe thing was bad enough. This sounds worse. Nothing interesting about that. Every job. episode would be a bottle episode. Oh no! <laughs> oh man. Well, okay. Let's go to the Crosby stuff. But last thing on Adam and Christina, I put in law newsflash. Christina's middle name is Anne, and her maiden name is Nichols. Yeah. The subtitle on Hulu said Nicholas. But it sure sounded like Nichols. I thought it did too. And that sounds like more of a surname than Nicholas does. Hulu also hyphenated it. And I'm like, she does not go by Christina Nichols Braverman. I know, whatever. Right. Get it together, Hulu. So Christina Nichols. Yeah. The Nichols Braverman wedding. I like it. It's just nice to have any morsel of, (laughs) she had a life before this family. Yeah. Okay, so on the topic of the luncheonette, or just Crosby in general, let me play this little clip before I say what I want to say. Hey, who's this little guy? This is my son, Jabbar. Oh my God, you're, you're a dad? Yep. So that's why you didn't call the other night, because you're a father? Yep. Nope. <laughs> I, just, I, I, I was so split because on one hand, I was kind of heartwarmed. Because I thought, wow, Crosby has certainly come a long way. 
since he was literally denying who Jabbar was mm. right in front of Jabbar. Yeah. That was only like a year and a half ago. I guess that's true. And now he doesn't hesitate. Who's this? This is my son Jabbar. I'm a dad. Am I right, though, that he was still using Jabbar to lie to a woman? Yes. I mean, that's not why he didn't call her. No. Because he was busy being a father. Yeah. He. <laughs> this is my least favorite thing about Crosby, probably, is that, like, it gave me Katie flashbacks. I was like, okay, you're not into this woman. Stop leading her on. What's the, yeah. what's the problem with just saying, you know, I'm I'm really sorry. I, I kind of got the impression that the other night was just kind of a one-time thing. And I mean, that would be really hard to do. As I'm saying it, I'm like, yes, that would be really hard. But man, like just like- But that's the price. That's the cost. Yes. You know, if, if you don't agree to this with someone ahead of time, which I think if you're going to have a one-night stand, you shouldn't be like- leading them on so that they think this is something significant. I think that's sort of shitty. And and he yeah. just keeps doing it with her. I'm like, just tell her that you're not that into her. And that's hard to do, but it's the adult thing to do. I just, I was so annoyed with him the whole episode. I'm like, they've kind of made her seem silly. Uh, you know, like, like she, oh, she can't get a hint. I'm like, well, it's because he keeps actively lying to her. Like, <laughs> right. Just tell her the truth, and she probably won't drive over to your house and introduce herself to Jabbar. Yeah. Ugh. So he's, you know, two steps forward, one step back. I will say that the pancake house jokes were the best, though. As bad as I felt for Sandy, everyone being like, you're going to ruin the pancake house. Was... I did, of course, look up pancake house. <laughs> I don't think it's real. There is a chain of restaurants called the original pancake house, but the closest location to Berkeley is in Los Altos, which is, I think, way farther than they would go just for breakfast. Lots of really good pancakes. I'm just saying... You what? I'm just saying unless they're really good pancakes. Oh, how far would you go for What would you do pancakes? for great pancakes? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so instead he wants to do this, uh, this luncheonette deal. Here's his cell to Adam. What do you think? They offered me that job. And? And it's a job. I need desperately. Adam, we have a chance to work somewhere that we love. I mean, remember when we were kids and we used to talk about how cool it would be if we worked at Six Flags and we got paid to work the roller coasters? That's this opportunity. I want to do this. And I don't want to do it without you. Ah, he said the title of the episode. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh. I mean, you kind of already addressed it. It is an interesting conundrum, though, where we're using completely different standards yeah. in decision making because we know it's a TV show. Yeah. You should make the impractical choice because it sounds like it will be better TV. Infinitely. In, in real life, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, take the beverage job. Yeah. You have a baby coming. Or <laughs> Yeah. My big question about it is this. Crosby just sold his houseboat and his motorcycle and poured all his money <laughs> Into his house. Yeah. Which he's presumably still paying the mortgage on. I'm sure. And as we know, Adam's been unemployed for a long time. Christina says they've gone through most of their savings and their cushion is nil. What capital do they have to buy a commercial property and start a business? Yeah. Like, aside from is this a smart move or not, I'm left wondering, how is it even possible? Yeah, it's incredibly 
unrealistic. <laughs> like yeah. the whole thing. I love the luncheonette. Like, like I hope it's not a spoiler to say that I'm just so much more interested in Adam's life <laughs> working at the luncheonette than than I ever was with with TNS. Ugh. But yeah, nothing about it really rings true. And so I just have to sort of go into that TV land place where yeah, yeah I like just recently saw a tweet where somebody was like it drives me crazy how many sturdy winter coats characters on television shows have. Like she was like, I even get having lots of jackets, but how, what? who are these rich people who have more than one sturdy winter coat? They're wearing a different one in every scene. And I'm like, that's so true. And this feels like a bigger version of that where it's like, you can't possibly afford this. And yet I'm just going to, I'm just going to go with it. You know, it's really interesting that you guys are going to work together and it's so creative. And also the whole time, I mean, you cut the clip before he starts being like, or maybe after, I can't remember, but like Janice Joplin has played here, the Grateful yeah. Dead, Neil Young. I'm like, no, they haven't. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> what is this magical place that has been sitting empty and that you can somehow afford? This is nuts, but I'm in. I don't care. I love it. Right. I totally agree. It, it's so TV. At least there are some things going for it, which to me helped me suspend my disbelief. Yes. Since the beginning of the series, Crosby has always been a producer yep. and an engineer. So I was like, okay, at least it's not like which I feel like a lot of TV shows would do, would be someone who's never worked in this right. field or who's like, I play the guitar. Let's start a recording right. studio. Like, Those are separate skills. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but like, this is what Crosby does. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad about that. And Adam is unemployed. So it's not like he's leaving a lucrative job for this pipe dream. Yeah. Which I guess, you know, under what circumstances might I buy that Adam would take this kind of leap? Yeah. If he were sort of at rock bottom, I guess. Yeah. And like Crosby says, they are very left brain, right brain. Yeah. So the idea of them working together, I think doesn't sound all that crazy. No. Although how many months ago was it that Crosby did sleep with someone who worked for Adam and then they like weren't speaking. Right. <laughs> so as long as they don't pull any shit like that, I think they <laughs> might work well together in terms of their skill sets. I definitely agree with all of that. And it, it helps so much. And it also helps that the practical job doesn't pay nearly as well as his old job. Like they're sure to yeah. mention that at the interview and they're sure to make that job sound as horrible as possible. You know, just yeah. you get the beverages inside. This is not <laughs> a creative job. That's all you do. And you just see Adam's face just like drop you know like i cannot do this it will kill my soul and so i'm like yeah i do get that i uh, yeah he might I do wonder what they're going to do about health care yeah because like, I'm, I'm assuming the beverage company would provide adam and his family with health insurance and if you're starting your own business you're buying your own health insurance gosh that's a good point well maybe christina has it through her job i hope so i hope but so does she continue that job I honestly I don't, don't I remember. I honestly don't remember. Yeah, neither of us. It do. would be a good idea when your I husband just decides to open up a recording studio with his brother. Yeah. While when you have a newborn, like who's paying for the delivery? Yeah. I am curious <laughs> about that. Well, speaking of newborns. Nice. There's this thing. <laughs> we get introduced to this new character, Zoe, in this episode, uh, who right off the bat, I like her. I just want to play. One of my favorite jokes. I've remembered it all these years later. <laughs> Do you know what you're having? Oh, it's um, a human. 
baby. So pretty excited. <laughs> <laughs> she is the best. The very best. And I got to say, similarly to the whole luncheonette thing being unrealistic, this storyline is bonkers. It should not work. It's yeah. the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And yet I love Zoe Rosa Salazar. Yeah. Am I saying that? Yeah, that's her name. Yeah. I love her. And I'm like, okay, whatever, I'm in. <laughs> it was kind of the same thing. Suspend my my disbelief for TV because I want those two to like just be in every scene together. They have great chemistry. I love her. Yeah. Well, and it's so crazy how, so like their first interaction, Julia's just like her little coffee crazed self, which I don't think we've ever seen before. Right. So like, this is a new character trait, but whatever. Yeah. And we've never seen a latte cart going around either, but mm. I buy that. And Julia does come on a little strong. Their second interaction is a little more realistic. I would like to apologize for yesterday. That was presumptuous of me. And, um, I overset my boundaries. Perhaps I just got excited, you know, so. But, uh. Yeah, it's, you're, that's fine. It's cool. Okay. Don't worry about it. You know, I, the truth is I don't really know what to say about it because I'm not keeping it. So it's just kind of easier not to think about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That music starts and you just know, oh no, she's planted that seed. <laughs> I do. You, I mean, would any normal person in the world think, okay, I want a baby. She doesn't want her baby. That's just math. You know, like would anyone? Yeah, I, I, I actually think everyone would think that. Yeah. How do you then <laughs> broach that subject? Like, that's what I don't get. Oof. When they're desperate, the other deleted scene from this episode was <laughs> Julia and Joel leaving the house to go meet a birth mother. And like Camille came over to babysit Sydney. And then they literally get a phone call as they're going out the door that the birth mother met with another couple that morning, really hit it off. She's giving it to them. Wow. So like you see a lot of them being discouraged by the process. And if you just met someone who like, I know them and they're giving a baby up, can I just have it? That makes sense to me. But how do you, I mean... <laughs> Here's Sarah's reaction. <laughs> the latte girl at work is pregnant, and I really want to ask her if I can buy her baby. That sounds kind of insane. No, no, it's not insane. I mean, she sells coffee, you know, so probably she'd sell her baby. That's, that was my reasoning. <laughs> and I also, I'm sure both of us were thinking about this. My boss wants to buy my baby. <laughs> I just told him very nicely. You don't go buying people's babies, so back off. <laughs> I mean, that's the conflict that Rachel invented. Right. <laughs> because she thought, what, what's ridiculous that I, you know. Yeah. Anyway, so it would be hard to actually put the plan into action. She also said it to Sarah in the worst possible way. Like, you know, she didn't say... My, the latte girl is having a baby that she isn't planning on keeping. So it also just kind of sounds like Julia wants to sway a woman who's planning on having a baby away. <laughs> like, if I give you enough money, will you not have this baby? You know, like, so that's a little creepy. But then also, yeah, instead of saying, I want to ask her if we can maybe adopt this baby. She, she specifically... Yeah, adopt instead of buy. buy. Yeah, and I'm sure that's <laughs> just for comedy you know just so we'll laugh the show wants her to say it in the craziest possible way so that sarah's joke lands i get that 
But I'm like, is there a way to phrase it that it doesn't sound nuts? Like, how do you broach that? I don't know. It just feels bonkers. <laughs> I'm real excited for where it goes, though. I know. Well, and I feel like that's an energy that we don't see a lot on the show. Like, it's such a sincere, earnest, big-hearted show, which I love about it. But something about Zoe being <laughs> sarcastic and, you know, that joke and the delivery of the joke, you know, of, of like a human baby. Like, it's just, she's <laughs> such a breath of fresh air. And I, yeah, I, I love it. Yeah, or like when she gets a tip and she's like, yeah, I can go to college. Oh my God, I, I, <laughs> I can go to college. That that sounded like a Kristen Wiig character to me. She was like, oh, I gotta <laughs> like, <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. There were so many storylines in this single episode. Yeah. They covered a lot of ground. Here we are to, I called this clip Nostradamax. <laughs> is there going to be alcohol at the party? Uh, Max. Most definitely great question. Because no. if there is, then Alex shouldn't go because he's an alcoholic. I mean, yes. You just like. <laughs> predicted the future <laughs> i was like everything max says in this episode is right <laughs> yeah he does it again when they're having this when alex and hattie are having this debate about the party that i don't really understand i really don't think you should go to this party alex. i think you're being insensitive and i don't think you know what you're talking about stop talking well i know there's alcohol at high school parties i watch friday night Lights. <laughs> <laughs> i love you i love you. i wish i was as honest with myself as he is Hey, you're going 20 miles up. What does that mean? It means if I was being honest with myself, I wouldn't be going to this park. Okay, I knew you didn't want to go. I mean, I knew it meant a lot to you, so that's why I was going. It's what? It doesn't mean anything to me. I don't care. It's just a stupid party. If you don't think it's a good idea, I don't have to go. It's just, I think it'll be a dumb move for me to go to a high school party where I don't want to be at anywhere. I don't want to be flaky, and I just told everybody that I was going to go, and the party's tomorrow. Then go. Uh, yeah, what's the issue? She goes, you don't. I don't understand. It seems like they're saying, well, either we both have to go, or either neither or neither of us can go. Why? You're your own people. Yeah. It makes sense that Alex wouldn't want to go to a high school house party. He's not in high school, and there's probably going to be drinking. And it makes sense that Hattie would want to go because she is in high school. Yeah. Great. So like take the night off from each other and do your own thing. I, you know, I, I was in a relationship with an alcoholic, but what was different in my case was that he was actively drinking and I felt like it was my responsibility to sort of shield him from the outside world. So I would have not gone to any party where I thought there was alcohol, probably with or without him. Because I probably would have just felt like, oh, well, I need to spend all my time with him to make sure he doesn't drink either. That's a whole different thing. And I'm glad that that's not the position Hattie's in. I'm glad that Alex isn't drinking and, you know, doesn't want to be tempted. But it did just strike me as interesting. I'm like, well, Hattie knows him so well. I guess I couldn't help but think this would be a more interesting storyline to me if Hattie wasn't going to go to a lot of like her high school things because of Alex, like because of guilt or like feeling like, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't go to the party either. And maybe Alex is the one who's like, well, you know, you should still live your life. Like, you know, if the show is like starting to try to 
it, it felt like maybe a move to, you know, put cracks in the relationship or whatever. I'm like, that to me would be more interesting and maybe feel truer to Hattie, who's been so quote unquote good and responsible. And, and I just was like, she's just like doing jello shots at this party all of a sudden. Like, no judgment on that, but it just didn't feel like the Hattie that we've come to know. Like, she seems to me like she'd be like, don't you trust me that I could go to a party like this and just have one beer? Like, don't you trust that I could go and make smart decisions? And then she just goes and she's like completely, I mean, like falling down drunk. And I'm like, that's just not safe. Like, I wanted Alex to be there with her because I hated that Zach guy. And I and 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 I just everything about it felt. I mean, I just watching promising young woman this year and stuff. I just did not like seeing Hattie like that. And while I don't think anyone put anything in her drink, and while I think she should be able to get completely wasted at a party and not be hurt, it just made me very nervous that this sort of thing happens to young women all the time. And like we're taught put our hands over our drinks, you know, so no one can put anything in it. And we're taught to be with someone sober, you know, just all of these things. And none of it should be the way it is, but it, it kind of is the way it is. And it just, it broke my heart that Alex was someone she could depend on and he shows up to like take her home safely. And all that shit happened. I just, it like really rattled me to my core somehow. I don't know. I just. <laughs> I thought the setup of it was really fascinating because when we first actually see her at the party, I thought she seemed almost out of place. Mm -hmm. Like, does she even want to be there? Right. And I thought this, what I thought was so cool about it was it felt to me like the maturity of her relationship with Alex huh. has kind of made her grow up beyond that kind of party. Yeah. But also she's still a 16 year old, maybe 17 year old. She's a senior, I would say probably. Kid. Yeah. I mean, now is the time to have that kind of fun. Mm -hmm. And so that, that she's torn between those two stages of life yeah, feels like a nice illustration kind of, of of what Adam and Christina were worried about last season, that she should be a kid as long as she could. I'm not saying they were right, but that point they were making wasn't entirely stupid. And I thought, oh, this is, this is an illustration of that. She's with this 20-year-old. And even alcoholism aside, it's just like, is it that fun for a 20 year old to go hang out at a party? So I'm sure she might feel like, yeah, I'm kind of beyond this. Like I'm with someone he's, he's dealing with real things and this mm -hmm. just feels so frivolous, but it's also like, but when you're a teenager, you get to be frivolous and that's one of the perks of being a teenager. And so I, I liked that dichotomy. Yeah. Well, it's part of what's interesting to me about Adam and Christina's objection to Alex in the first place though. I mean, if she had just done what Alex wanted to do, with her evening, she wouldn't have been drunk at a party. Like, you <laughs> know, true. yeah. I mean, like in some ways they were afraid this would make her grow up more, but I'm like, in in a lot of ways, his influence on her, her junior year of high school probably made her make better choices than she might have left to her own devices. Cause left to her own devices, you know, she's just kind of doing the same dumb stuff. A lot of teenagers do. And I'm like, is that better? You know, I, I don't know. I like when, when they didn't have these kinds of objections to Steve, I was like, but high school guys are like, you know, like Zach at this party. I'm like, would you rather her date some jerk like that? I, I don't know. I just. Although what did he do? That was so you know, horrible. Okay. Um, that's a good question. I think that if I could be objective, I might say nothing. In, in some ways, he was probably right um, that, yeah, I mean, Alex punches him. He doesn't punch him. 
I don't know. I'm not. He did have his hands on him. Like Alex said repeatedly, don't touch me. And he didn't stop. Yes. And I feel like the way. Not that that warrants getting punched, but it did happen. I also feel like his suspicion of Alex was ridiculous. You know, both Hattie and Alex are saying, this is my boyfriend. You know, I'm, I'm her boyfriend. I'm taking her home. He wasn't being rough with her or anything. She just couldn't stand. And so he's like trying to take her out. And I'm also like, well, you're telling Alex to leave. Alex is her ride. How is she going to get home? You know, and then I think I felt weirdly suspicious of Zach, even though I don't think that was like intended to be part of the story or anything. But I'm like, I think maybe it was. I mean, yeah. I don't think we were supposed to like him. No, I don't think so. I just was curious your thoughts. I'm not keep interrupting you. No, but. no, no, that's fine. <laughs> but I just, yeah, I it was interesting because I, on, on the one hand, I'm like, well, Alex kind of punches him, but I don't think it's out of nowhere. I think it was after a series of microaggressions and it wasn't the right thing to do, but I think is kind of a human thing to do, just being so frustrated. Like I am surrounded by alcohol. <laughs> I don't want to be here. My, my girlfriend is drunk. She's someone that I sort of count on. And I don't, I think he was very surprised. And maybe I'm being- And un- now he probably feels incredibly responsible for her. Right. And I'm going to take her home and Adam and Christina are going to see she's drinking and I'm the one bringing her home. I mean, I just wonder if all of this is going through his head and feeling really yeah. gross. And then the fact that Zach called the, the police on him. I mean, I, I get that he punched him in his own house. I get that. But it is hard to watch- Alex be handcuffed in 2021 and and being escorted out. And I'm like, you just don't call the police. Did Zach call the police? Well, someone did. I mean, you know, we don't see who did, but he's escorted out. Like, I just assumed. I did hate, I think the worst thing about Zach that like we definitely saw was that his the first words out of his mouth after he gets punched are not smart, dude. Because then I just think like, if you have the presence of mind to already be articulating mm-hmm. the vengeance you were going to rain down on this guy, how hurt are you? Really? Right. And he must. <laughs> I, yeah. I would say ow first. <laughs> like <laughs> if you were really hurt. Yeah. I mean, I guess he was bleeding. I think and uh, no one should be punched in the face, but just like, oh, that is definitely meant to paint him as a douche. Like. Not smart, dude. It'd be, like, it'd be like him saying, my lawyer liked that. You know, like, <laughs> what, are you, what are you? And it's all extra charged because Alex is black. I feel like if, yeah. if, if it were a different actor and if it were a different character who were white, just like Zach is white, then it would feel different to me. It would still feel like not smart. But like now it just has this weird edge or angle like... You know, who the hell do you think you are? And, and you know, Zach having that suspicion about Alex and being like, get out of my house, felt a little tinged with that too. And maybe that's unfair to say, but I'm like, why do you just immediately go to get out of my house? Like, he's not a Well, stranger. he offered him a drink at first, like when he went over. But I, the whole thing was, I didn't know what the right thing to do was because in a way, I, I think everything you articulated is insightful. I was like, maybe Zach thought he was being or trying to be a stand-up guy. Like, because Hattie didn't seem in total cooperation with Alex. So it's like she's incapacitated and a stranger is trying to take her away. But like I said, he certainly should have stopped putting his hands on Alex Mm -hmm. when Alex repeatedly said, don't touch me. And then I was like, should Alex have just left? Like, should he have just left Hattie there? I don't think so. I don't think Hattie was in danger, but... 
I think if I were to actually watch that, I would feel like he was deserting her there. I mean, the plan was for him to come pick her up. Yeah. And then I wondered, like, should some of Hattie's friends have spoken up more forcefully? Because, like, I... I think so. It was a small detail, but I noticed when Zach first meets Alex, he's he offers him a drink, and the friend, I forget her name. I don't remember. Kayla, maybe? She, like, says to Zach, like, no, 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 don't, don't offer him a drink. Because yeah. she knows... She knows who Alex is. Uh-huh. She knows that Alex is Hattie's boyfriend. She knows that Alex is a recovering alcoholic, that you shouldn't offer him a drink. And I was like, if you are aware enough, which Hattie clearly isn't, to know exactly what's going on here. Just say something. <laughs> say something. I mean, it's not her fault no. either, but but still, it's like, I'm just watching this, like, how could this all have been avoided? And then also, why was Alex the only one arrested? What about this whole house full of teenagers who were clearly wasted. That's what made me think it was Zach who called the police on him. Although, what a dumb move. But why would you call the police? On your, your own, own party where everyone's drinking? I guess that's true. Although, I mean, that talk about privilege. Privilege, yeah. I mean. And what would be the worst that would happen to him if he was caught drinking? Not, not. N- a rich white kid? Yeah. A fine, maybe? Maybe so. Yeah, really upsetting. And then if that's not bad enough, I was furious that the show had this development. Uh, I have to tell you though, Alex, this is not over. The parents of the kid that you hit intend to press charges. All right. Listen, I think it's gonna be okay. I do. You didn't seriously injure him and it's your first offense and you're a sympathetic defendant, so. It's, it's not. It's not. My first offense. So what pisses me off about that mainly, I think, is that this is in direct opposition to everything Alex said last season about being honest. If he'd had some sort of record, I think Hattie would know that. And Adam and Christina would have been able to add it to their laundry list of reasons that she shouldn't date mm-hmm. him. I mean, whatever. And and I mean... It also just feels incredibly stereotypical that, you know, one of your only black characters has to have some record, you know, that's annoying as well. But then I think, okay, maybe I could buy it because, you know, when you look at like, like I remember Philando Castile was pulled over. I can't even remember how many times before he was killed, you know, like just the number, the sheer number of times police officers pulled him over. So I I guess I could, I could see the idea of like Alex having some record, but I just thought this is too convenient. He wouldn't have hidden this. And then especially when he said, don't tell Hattie, I'm like, who are you? Like, you know, I'm just like, this (laughs) isn't you. The show needed this for the storyline. And it felt kind of gross, honestly. I just really hated that. I hadn't even thought about the honesty aspect of it. That is such a, a good point because I was torn by the stereotypical aspect of it also, but then also thinking, well, the character of Alex as he's been presented with the history that he has, the odds that he would have been arrested for something before probably are pretty good. But you're so right. He was so, you know, I remember back in episode 211 when he has (laughs) dinner with Adam and Christina and I said, Alex, you're coming on a little strong. Maybe don't reveal all of this stuff the first time you meet them. But it made sense because that was like a core part of who he 
is or certainly who he was trying to be. So you're so right. So it's just inconsistent. I read this really interesting article about the Alex storyline in season three on Huffington Post, written by a writer named Stacia L. Brown. It gives a few spoilers about the coming episodes, so I'm not going to read the whole thing at all, but here are the pertinent points for this episode. So she writes, Hattie's lawyer aunt Julia gets Alex out of jail, but explains the teen's parents intend to press charges. This is when Julia and the rest of the audience find out Alex has a record. Of course he does, because it isn't enough that they've saddled one of the show's only black characters with teen alcoholism, poverty, and homelessness. (laughs) He also has to have an armed robbery rap on his sheet. You kind of know how it's going to play out after this. The Bravermans, evolved as they are, are going to stand by Alex because they accept Hattie's own part in all this. And the Alex they know is not the Alex with the record. Alex, for his part, is deeply ashamed, profusely apologetic, and insecure about the family's willingness to accept him and his foibles. He begs Hattie not to leave him. He tells the Bravermans he didn't mean to drag them into his drama. This is all his fault. Only it isn't. It really isn't. He should have used the common sense a life on the streets likely taught him and taken a moment to assess his situation. Lone, grown, black man at a party full of comparatively rich, drunk, white teens— There is no way he should have thrown any kind of punch. But he wouldn't have felt he had to if Hattie hadn't gotten drunk in the first place. She knew he was picking her up, and she knew he was an alcoholic. Hers was an incredibly selfish, if age-appropriate, decision. Yes. Yeah, because I worried that I was sounding a little puritanical when I was talking about her getting drunk at the party. But that's it, exactly. It made me so uncomfortable. I'm like, you're putting Alex in this terrible situation. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, putting herself in a bad situation. I mean, it really does make me nervous when people are like so drunk they can't stand at parties. I just don't I don't trust that at all, especially, you know, women. And and yeah, so I think that's a really insightful article. I'm glad you found that. Yeah, I'm going to be quoting from it more. Good. In the <laughs> good. coming episodes. Yeah. I mean, not good, actually. Good that you're, you're, you know, quoting it, but bad that you have reason to, I suppose, because um, I just really I never liked this storyline. But now I think just in the times that we're living in and just, you know, hopefully, hopefully we're always our most evolved selves because we're constantly evolving. You know, I just feel like I am picking up on things I've never picked up on before. And uh, I don't even totally fault the show for that. I mean, I, I think that it's good in a way that things that were made 10, 11 years ago aren't looking so great now. I, I think... Hopefully that means we're going in the right direction, you know, so. Much less serious about this story, but an interesting observation nonetheless. I think this is the first scene we've had between Alex and Julia. And at the time this was shot, Michael B. Jordan was 24 years old and Erica Christensen was 29. Oh, wow. (laughs) It just freaked me out seeing them together. I mean, obviously he's taller than her, Mm -hmm. but they didn't seem that far apart in age. And so I I looked it up and I was like, well, in real life, she is four and a half years old. (laughs) So also just to be reminded how young she was on this show. Yeah. Because this is season three and she's 29. Yeah. With a six-year-old child. Yeah. So when the series started, I think she was 26 or 7? I think she was playing a little older. Michael B. Jordan's playing a little younger. I thought of that last season when we saw her and Amber paired up quite a bit. I'm like, I don't think Mae Whitman's that much younger than she is. And it's, you know, they're like different generations. (laughs) Yeah. Well, my favorite thing about this whole episode, which I kind of already said at the top, 
was just getting to spend time with the Bravermans again. Like, like I, I weirdly missed them, even though <laughs> it hadn't been that long. But it felt like it had been long, and I was just happy to see them back. I was happy also to to jump past. I really loved the time jump. You know, last time there was that, like, well, since I've been flying back and forth to New York all summer, it didn't feel like there was really any of those clunky mm-hmm. recaps of, of stuff we missed. I tell you, Christina's pregnant belly does a lot of work. <laughs> and it's like, I don't really need to see her pregnant. I don't feel like, oh, but there's so many stories there. Like, no, let's cut to right before the baby's here. Yeah, yeah, why not? <laughs> that seems like great. And I don't have to watch Crosby and Jasmine work through all the awkwardness. And there was still awkwardness, which I actually kind of loved to see. Like I loved their conversation at Jasmine's door yeah, because it seemed like it was about to turn into a fight, but then it didn't. Yeah. I loved that because they were both trying to be so like careful around each other. And I thought, yeah, that's what it would take. It would be really awkward and you'd be constantly sort of feeling each other out. I kind of like seeing these characters have a completely new dynamic and then we just like slam cut right to it. We didn't watch every little step along the way. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And strangely, I kind of think their chemistry has never been better. Um, <laughs> like the, this is an interesting part of their relationship. And, you know, they know each other now so much better than they ever have, even when they were engaged to each other, you know. And so that's sort of interesting. And and. I liked seeing the hurt on Crosby's face when she mentioned she was dating, but like he knew he had no right to be hurt and also what a hypocrite he would be because the whole reason he found out is because she was mentioning who he had just been sleeping with. And so it all felt very human. And I like that. I like that he wasn't being a jerk about it and being like, wait, you're, you know, he just was like, Oh, like, of course. And yeah. And it was, although there was one tiny thing about their, almost argument that did kind of rub me the wrong way. It just reminded me of the season one episode when he almost slept with the other mom the while pool. their kids were in the pool. Yeah. yeah. And Jasmine shoot him out about it, but she actually had every detail of what had happened wrong. Mm. <laughs> like you left our son alone. He wasn't alone. You slept with a stranger. He didn't sleep with her. It was like, <laughs> Okay, you're you're mad about the right thing, but you've got all the facts wrong. <laughs> and this was a case where I don't think the way Crosby was treating Sandy was right. But when Jasmine said very respectfully, like I said, it didn't blow up, but she said, I think you can be a little more careful about who you introduce our son to. I was like, how could he have been more careful as far as Jabbar was concerned? Yeah. She showed up unannounced. Yeah. I I, I don't know. It's not like, oh, this is this would never happen to Jasmine. She can't control when someone would just show up. I mean, she might set the bar a little higher in <laughs> partners. Maybe I just answered my own question. <laughs> I, was, I was about to say, I also don't think that Jasmine... Not to knock Sandy. Yeah, yeah. Sandy's fine. Sweet girl. Sweet girl. She's very pretty. Very oh pretty, yeah. As everyone Crosby sleeps with Seems like with a good is. waitress. Yeah. <laughs> Crosby only sleeps with supermodels, as we've established. Um, but no, I, I mean, I also think that Jasmine probably wouldn't lead someone on. And so, like, I think that's what really got me. I'm like, she's maybe being a little unfair because this woman did just show up. But I'm like... But if Crosby didn't lie to her and keep saying, yeah, we do have something special. You're totally right. I'll call. You know, then if he would just say, 
I'm so sorry. I'll stop eating at the pancake house. My family's right. I've ruined it. You know, <laughs> I'd like to say, I'll leave you alone. I just think that's the tricky part with using people for sex. I mean, I, I think in a perfect world, there's nothing wrong with a one night stand. I think what's wrong about it is using people, you know, and, and maybe it's difficult to figure out the, the terms of the evening, you know, <laughs> but I, I just think that's just terrible. And, and maybe that's what she's ultimately upset about. Like be better than this. You know, like when she said that yeah. same episode that you just referenced, I think Jasmine ends it with like, he's like, I want to be good. And she was like, be it <laughs> like, you know, just <laughs> yeah, you're right. be better. Well, and like, and in this case, you're totally right. And cause in this case, she also, you know, had she like ripped him a new asshole mm-hmm. for that, I would have been upset, but she didn't. It was like, I just, here's a tip in the future, <laughs> yeah. maybe try and be, she was, it was like so nice. And it was like, just put this in your back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like, okay, good. So she's beyond the place. And that's what I think I love about their dynamic. It's like, there's enough separation between the two of them that it's like, they're not going to make each other that angry anymore yeah. because they've just drawn new boundaries yeah. that it's like, no, I'm not going to engage with you to that degree. Yeah. <laughs> We are not that important to each other anymore. I also love that they're past the like jealousy part that, I mean, I not probably 100%. I'm sure there's like a twinge the same way that there was a twinge when he was like, oh, you're, you're dating. But it's, that's not the focus of the storyline. She's not like, oh, Crosby met someone, you know, it's not like that at all. No. Which I think this is much more interesting. So I'm glad that it's just to that yeah. point. Yeah. So I think season three is off to a promising start. I think so too. You know, I used to think maybe season two was my favorite and I really enjoyed the hell out of it. Don't get me wrong. But seeing all of these storylines get set up with Zoe and with the luncheonette and with Sarah actually like, you know, being with Mark, it seems like this is, I'm like, oh, right. Amber on her own. Amber on her own. I'm like, oh, I love all of this except for the Alex storyline. It makes me so sad. But I'm like, everything else I'm super excited for. I'm really all about. So, yeah. I put like the exact same thing and it ended with, I don't want anything bad to happen to Alex ever. I know. He's so sweet. It also, it does feel like you said, like they're starting to put cracks in it. So aside from the ickiness around the storyline, also, it feels like, oh, is this the beginning of the end? Yeah. Patty and Alex, are your Ugh. plans to rip them apart? I'm like, I just want him to join the cast. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, I mean, just be another. And like, whatever happened to him? So, you know, his career went nowhere, so he should just be on Parenthood. Right. It's not like he had anything better going on. Right. It also made me realize <laughs> I was about to make a joke about like, he could be the next Braverman. But then I, in my head, I was like, no, Hattie would take his name. Which, do we know what it is? I don't, Does he have a last name? I don't even know if we do. That's crazy. You're looking it up. I saw the, the internet light shine on your face. I will also say that if they were going to break them up, I just think it would be so much subtler if it became too hard for her to date someone who couldn't drink and who, yeah. you know, like, like and if she was just like, you know what, I am a kid and I think I just kind of want to live my senior year. And then he doesn't have to get arrested. He doesn't have to have a record. He doesn't have to go into any of this like stereotypical uncomfortable stuff. And it would be just kind of a night. I mean, I don't even think that's boring. I think that's interesting. Like just being at a different place in your life from whoever you're dating. Like, I think that's interesting. Yeah, I agree. And it comes from the same source. Yeah. It's just one feels a little more sensational. Yes. In the pejorative sense. Yes. And the other feels like... 
I guess a little mundane, mm-hmm. but I, I'm with you. I think it'd be an interesting thing to explore and that there would be a facet, like I mentioned about Adam and Christina before, there would be an element of like, oh, they were right yeah. in a way yeah. that you guys were in different stages of your life. Yeah. Now, I think they were kind of reasoning backwards, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a non-issue. Yeah. I don't know. I, I couldn't find a last name. Oh, man. <laughs> On the Parenthood Wiki fandom site. <laughs> There's like this dossier on him, born 1990, status, alive, <laughs> occupation, soup kitchen manager, full name, Alex. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> did Steve have a last name? I think you looked it up and he maybe did. He did, Williams. Yeah. Alex deserves a last name. He if does. Steve gets a last name, are you kidding me? How about me? Hoyer? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Has a nice ring to oh, it. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the best. Well, I think that'll do it. I think that will. Season three, here we come. I don't know what that was. That was like a bomb going off. Like <laughs> Season three was originally renewed for 16 episodes, but then that order was bumped up to 18. So we got 17 more of these bad boys coming at you this season. A couple of bad Larrys. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to try to use it in a sentence. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. All right. Well, as always, this was so much fun. I I love having guests. Do not get me wrong, but it is really fun to just like talk with you. You're one of my favorite people. (laughs) We will be back with a new guest next week. That's right. Who? We don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. So... All right. Well, um, everyone, thank you so much for listening and embarking on a new season with us. It means a lot. Uh, If you haven't already, please do follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Like us on Facebook. We're Parenthood Pals everywhere. Drop us a rating, a review, or an email. We would love to hear from you. We would love that. You can find all of our info at parenthoodpals.com. Until next time, may God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true.